This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. Comic Book Click is on Patreon, guys. For as little as $0.10 cents a day or $3 a month, not only can you help keep the lights on here at Comic Book Click headquarters, but your donation gives you access to exclusive content like CBC commentaries, polls where you can choose what content we cover next, and special behind-the-scenes footage of things here at Comic Book Click. Visit Patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse today and become a Patreon. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. Hello everybody out there in comic book land, my name is George Serrano, aka The Don, and if you're listening to this, you can only be here for one reason, and that's a brand new episode of the Major Issues Podcast, brought to you by ComicBookClick.com, and as always, I am never alone. Sir, can you please introduce yourself? Ah, uh, yeah, it's John Escudero, aka Yogi. Yogi is here, and we are here, we are here, we are here to talk about... <laughs> are we <laughs> here? Talk- yeah, we are here. I feel here. I don't know I'm more here than I ever have been. Uh, we're here to talk about a series that's on the tip of everybody's tongues right now. Um, Amazon Prime just released its season finale of Invincible, uh, based on the comic written by Robert Kirkman with art by... Did I have this right here? Ryan Otley? Yes, sir. Um, yeah. Were you familiar with this? comic i i know it's one of those things that i feel like everyone is aware of but not necessarily in i feel like how do you feel about all this if you're in the world of comics deep enough then you've definitely heard of invincible i've uh when i got into the walking dead uh there were advertisements for invincible and then there was like this one weird crossover thing once that didn't count okay and that was like my introduction to knowing that it existed and then Things started happening in the book that would uh, warrant headlines on comic book sites. So yeah, I, I, that's when I started realizing, like, man, I should watch this. Or, I mean, I should read this. Someone actually, I've had multiple people describe it to me as, like, you would love it. It's like Dragon Ball Z mixed with DC Comics. And, I, and, and I've always meant to read it, but it just got past me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like the design, I've, I've seen the character before. I've heard of some of the more mature uh, things that take place in the comics, but it was a blind spot to me for a while. As sometimes Image Comics is, uh, to me in general, I, I find myself more in playing in the Marvel and DC realms when it comes down to all that cape stuff. But this, was a, this is a comic that I was surprised to find out um, – has been around for years. It started in 2003 as a regular self-titled series, which is, it has like a six month, um, it comes out six months earlier than The Walking Dead, which I think Robert Kirkman is known mostly for. And Walking Dead almost immediately became this cultural uh, phenomenon where all of a sudden that's all anyone is talking about is this zombie comic, this zombie show, uh, spawned video games, uh, made that man a lot of money. They're actually working on their last season right now, season 10, as we speak. So I feel like um, uh, one of the things that's interesting is that people gravitated to that before they gravitated to this. I think you it know? was just a matter of uh, circumstance, if anything. I've always heard from everybody who reads comics. 
And I don't mean to say this like people who re- actually read the comics are better fans or whatever, but but, yeah. but the people whose I guess opinion I respect, they're always saying, you know, Invincible was so much better than The Walking <laughs> Dead. I can't believe The Walking Dead is the one that blew up. So it's almost uh, I'm sure those people are like throwing their hands in the air in victory, seeing the first season of Invincible be so well received because they just knew that the material was worth that. Yeah. And you know what I think it when it comes down to it, it's it comes down to timing of all this kind of stuff. Because one of the things I realized uh when you know when a project like this gets announced, sometimes we have some familiarity with it. Somebody in the group will, you know, we'll talk about we'll be in the group chat and be like, Well, who knows about this? Who wants to, you know, head the research when it comes to this character? What can you tell us? And Invincible was a bit of a blind spot. So in diving into it, one of the things that I realized that makes the series so entertaining, it's it's a bit of a, I wouldn't say a parody, but it definitely plays with the tropes and expectations of the universe, of oh, a universe that's been doing this for 10, 20, yeah. 30, 40 years. I was going to say, it definitely, uh, it, it borderlines parody, like, a lot of times. And that, that, that's yeah. on purpose. You know, there's, a, there's a commentary there. Yeah, I was wondering if that would be like it got caught, you know, like um, not giving it enough credit by calling it a parody because it doesn't necessarily just make everything a joke, but it it plays with your expectations in this. So um, it's interesting because they spoke to Robert Kirkman about the show in general, and he said that this is the perfect climate for Invisible to exist because it's reliant on people knowing the ins and outs of the tropes of superhero storytelling mm. so we can subvert them. Um, Invincible is very much a story that presents itself as one thing and then it slowly reveals itself to be something else. Mm -hmm. The thing that it presents itself as is a traditional superhero story and then it reveals itself to be something very different, more complex, scary, and dramatic because everyone is aware of the MCU and the DCEU and you can sit down and watch Invincible and still be pleasantly surprised that it offers something different. Um, so I think, yeah, this is coming at a perfect time. Like you said, that the the um, audience is saturated with the normal superhero media that this kind of stands out. What do you think? I think that's a perfect, absolutely perfect explanation. I we We've been reading and, and paying attention to this kind of material for so long that the kind of good, good material that relies on you being knowledgeable is hard to recommend to people. Like, you know, I can't share this experience with my friends because I'm too deep in this. So when we've reached a point in, I guess, pop culture that that this mega, they've got like their own mega lore built in and now we can build upon that. Now we're starting to get to the good stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think it's it's funny because this is coming... You know, years after in the comic book space timeline is coming years after things like Kingdom Come would come out. Right. And say that things have gotten a little bit out of hand <laughs> as far as where the co- direction of comic books and stuff would go. And Robert Kirkman's made a lot of money on uh, gore, on, on blood, on on characters dying and notable characters dying and and not- these set pieces uh, where there's guts being sprung all over the uh, all over the screen and stuff. Um, I'm kind of I'm kind of glad that this is coming around at, at the time it is, but I've got to ask you. Uh, this is not my opinion, but just to in general get you know your fingers on the pulse. How do you feel about this current rise in almost anti superhero media stuff like The Boys <laughs> um, and stuff like that? It's again, it's exactly what we were just saying. This this kind of media is reliant on 
the viewer, the consumer, uh, having an understanding of previous tropes. You know, so yeah. so in the in the point where these comics were coming out twenty years ago, they 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 this that was the right time for those comics to come out, and that's why they hit so hard when they hit. And it just so happens that television and movies are are just. Uh, I don't want to say catching up because it's not their fault. For a long time, people in Hollywood and executives, they just thought general audiences are too stupid to right. understand <laughs> complex, long-term stories, you know? But now we've gotten right. to a point where the MCU is probably one of the most successful things on the planet right now. And it's built off of something that's so so freaking long and convoluted. It's like, yeah. like 25 movies and two TV shows and somehow a billion dollars every time. So that that we're at a place where the executives finally trust their consumers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think so long as we continue to get both sides of the story, we're fine, right? Yeah. I'm, like so long as it doesn't just devolve into evil Superman marathon that's how it works the best though that's exactly how it works the best when you can get a little bit of all of it it's i don't want to see marvel movies start getting dark you know i'm not i'm not cheering on the next rated r marvel film you know i mean unless it's like deadpool or something (laughs) right 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 no i feel you um and so i think one of the best parts about this this television show is the amazing voice cast that they got they called in every favor they seemingly could uh robert kirkman and others um and i guess as we go through this cast we can talk a little bit about these characters and then get into some of the adventures that they end end up getting into so we can't talk about the cast without talking about Stephen Young, who plays Mark Grayson, aka Invincible. Obviously, a, a Walking Dead alumni, uh, Glenn. Maybe that's how he got casted in this. They were like, "We want to see how you can speak when your head is crushed in." I uh, <laughs> I feel like a lot of these, a lot of the castings on this show were people that were like exactly who he had in mind when he was writing the comics. <laughs> you know, like yeah, these are the voices yeah. he had in his head. I don't right. know about a Stephen Young because he, he, but but some of the older, more notable people, yeah, the, the what do you, you think? Simmons is. What do you think of this? You know, you were you were sold on the series, on the comic series, as the pitch of it being like Dragon Ball Z meets you know regular cape comic books. Um, what do you think of the animation style? What do you think of? I love of that. In, I actually love it because I can't. Okay, so. There's actually episodes where they upped the animation. <laughs> like, if I don't know if anybody, like, in the final episode, in the final fight, it was very different. It was, it was actually a different art style than the rest of the yeah. show, almost. And I was like, yeah, yeah. this is anime stuff. <laughs> like, right. we've we've gone, we've gone, we've started to take the for the right influences because that felt good. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, that felt so good to watch. And it feels it feels almost late. To the game, yeah, oh yeah, 100%. Like, why, did this, why did it take so long? If this is what melding these two worlds could be, which in many ways, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of anime has there's so much, uh, you know, snake eating its own tail with anime and comic books, mm-hmm. manga in general. You know, these all these things are second, yeah. third cousins yeah. to one another. Yeah. So it's like, why did it take it so long? Like, the scope here. Um, and in some of these fights and some of these like where they could do these like weird panning shots or these 3D shots where they're going through a city with somebody flying. It's amazing. It's like, I wonder why the hell it, it took so long. Honestly, but, yeah. I was already kind of getting like 
the this vibe like in Japan, a comic book will come out, and it's so good that we will just turn the comic into a cartoon. That's literally the process. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. that's the pipeline, you know? So, like, right. it, like you just said, it's almost uh, baffling that it's taken so long for Americans to be like, why don't we just turn this into a show and see what happens? But even at being America, of course, we, we do the change thing because we have to. We can't help ourselves, everybody. <laughs> but, uh... But uh, yeah, get back to that voice cast stuff. Oh yes, Sandra O oh plays Debbie Grayson. Debbie, uh, Mama. Debbie, she's uh, killing this. it. She's killing it. De- Debbie, she is. Um, I feel like Invincible from the comics uh, and and Mark in this series are very much carbon copies and for good reason right you know if it's not broken don't fix it but i feel like one of the biggest changes comes from uh debbie grayson and changing debbie grayson um we'll get into this but robert kirkman had been very vocal on you know interviews like with the walking dead uh where people ask him you know how does he know what to change when it comes to adapting some of his work and um one of the things that he says is he when he makes changes he makes changes that he thought he should have made in the comics so, like, one of the things in The Walking Dead is that uh, early on, Rick gets his arm cut off. And so he doesn't do it at all in the in the show. It feels like it, he handicapped his own character um, in the comic, so he didn't do it in the show. In this, one of the interesting things is he gives way, uh, way more agency to his female characters than he did in the original um, work. And Debbie is definitely one of those people. You know, one of the things that we follow on with her through the series is her uncovering the big twist, the big uh, secret that happens um, in the series, even though we know we know what's going on by the end of episode one. In the comics, she doesn't know at all. She doesn't know until that, that last uh, episode and everything that Omni-Man says in that fight to Mark is being overheard in Mark's communicator in his ear. Uh, or sorry, in, um, sorry, in Nolan's communicator yeah. in his ear. So uh, that's how all this stuff comes to pass. What do you think about making that change, giving Debbie a little bit more agency and having her figure out uh, what was going on? I am generally uh, weird about changes. Nor- like, generally. but Because... Yeah. Things that worked in the comic worked for a reason. Now that you're getting a chance to change them, uh, are you considering that <laughs> you might be making a mistake? And in The Walking right. Dead, a lot of the time when the changes were made, they were mistakes. Like yeah. when the the changes that he was so eager to make from the comic to the show, uh, ruining Andrea the way he did. Like yeah. that's <laughs> I'm not gonna get into it. That that's just the top of the top. That's just the biggest right. one for me. And right. Sometimes that shit, it's very scary to think that this man is here playing around because of his own creative whims. When he could have just gave us the good version of the story that already exists. So in this first season of Invincible, though, I feel like 98% of the changes, if not all of them, were generally improvements. Yeah. Yeah. My only... It's hard, right, when you create it to then improve on it, right? Because obviously you thought you were doing the best you could at the time. For sure. So to revisit it, revisit it, you know, this was this this first arc probably took, you know, 2003, 2004. So to revisit it 15, 16 years, 17 years later um, with new eyes, I think that's very interesting to be like, well, if they're married, she would have figured that out. Like she would have, you know, she's too close to that and him to, to kind of not. 
you know. I, I just kind of worry yeah. that it's it's uh, <laughs> it, it, again, like I said, I, with Kirkman, his thing is changing things, small things, and watching them cascade into big changes towards the yeah. end. So now everyone's surprised, and what's gonna happen? And some of the end games in the comic are like, this is exactly what I want to see. Like I would hate to lose these things, and then. Let, let's see how it goes, though. I mean, it's working out well so far. It's just, I guess, I had to express that. No, no, no. You're right 100% because who knows? Maybe in making her smart, they're setting her up to die. Yeah, right? yeah. And being like, oh, you know, what I always actually really wanted to do was like right after that, just kill her. I just always <laughs> wanted to kill her. But Dead. because we never gave her any depth, it wouldn't have made any sense. So we gave her some depth in season, yeah. season one. Season two, we're going to come through and uh, take her out. But... We can't we can't talk about the Grayson family without talking about the the patriarch, without talking about Nolan Grayson himself, Omni Man, who's played by J.K. Simmons. Both men respectable mustaches, <laughs> and uh, 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 Nolan is a member of the Viltrumite uh, uh, people, the Viltrumite planet, the planet of Viltrum, and he is, as we're told, he has come. As a charity, almost like a charity mission. His people are so advanced, so rich, so powerful that um, they are. They think that they should be the ones helping other planets succeed and advance. And so they sent individual members to watch over these planets and help them develop. And that's why he's on Earth. Um, how much of that did you buy? And what do you think of JK as Nolan Grayson slash Omni-Man? J.K. Simmons is one of those characters that I guess I was referring to earlier that's absolute, like, there's no way you weren't who was in Kirkman's mind. Like, no, no way. You're so perfect for this. <laughs> yeah. Like, it looks like, the character basically looks like uh, him. <laughs> and, and to and to you know and to put things in perspective, ladies and gentlemen, this comic is written in two thousand and three. Spider Man two comes out in, in two thousand two. So. Spider Man one comes out in two thousand two. Yeah. yeah. So J K Simmons, the the gray sides, the mustache, the, the the hair, it all it all looks pretty good. Yeah. I will say that there's um as much as they keep like the Superman esque uh, imagery with yeah. the Omni Man. It's very different. It doesn't feel like just you know evil Superman. I think so as well. No, I, I, I don't. I don't a, get evil Superman vibe. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't really get the evil Superman vibe. It's just the way he looks and the way he flies that Superman esque. But like, and the strength, obviously the origin. But the but the actual story being told, it doesn't feel like I'm just getting another evil Superman story. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's important because there are so many now, seemingly, right? Like now anybody who leads a team and that can fly has a cape, everyone's like, oh, that's just Superman. Like that's just a Superman uh, clone here. We even got one kind of leading the Guardians of the Globe in um, and the Immortal. So it's, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of that clonage and stuff going around, I feel like, with uh, these different members. Yeah, so I'm glad they got new and cool designs. I really like the designs of the characters uh, in this comic. If it's going to be stuff that's tropey, right? Like, you really got to um, come through with something new. How do you, Matter of fact, I know we keep going off on tangents, but <laughs> what do you think about, like, that the, the building of this universe? You know, we've seen so many comic book universes. And like I said, again, even when it comes to stuff like 
parodies and tropes, like stuff like the boy, what the boys tries to do with making their own Justice League and stuff like that. What do you think about uh, the designs and the characters here in this? It was uh, for me. It's it's usually harder to get into like uh, a whole new original con uh, original content superhero universe. Like it's like everybody feels like a knockoff in the beginning, generally. So it's like uh, but uh, the the invincible was like soup. That that feeling just came and went super fast. They they build their world and they made their characters uh so fleshed out so fast that uh it was very easy to see all of these people as their own characters. And then all of like the Justice League like the real Justice League tropey ones, like the obvious Batman and you know like the obvious Green Lantern, like they died so fast that it didn't Yeah. <laughs> it it didn't matter. <laughs> oh man. Um yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll wait on that Omni Man turn there, uh, getting back to J.K. Simmons. Um, but, like, you're right. They, they found a way to make him look different. Like, you might think you go in and go, oh, okay, so he's Superman. But the way that they're able to change him and make him fresh, I think, really, really works. Hey, um, you were gone for a long time. Oh, I'm back. Can you hear me? <laughs> I hear you now. I can only assume that you said something poignant and beautiful, and I agree ah. with it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, speaking of poignant and beautiful, uh, getting back to this voice cast, we have um, the new Guardians of the Globe, the old ones kind of, you know, the OGs. Uh, I guess we can talk about real quick because they're not there for long. We got Lauren Cohen, who played Maggie on The Walking Dead. And she is uh, War Woman, the Wonder Woman, you know, uh, character. You have Sonequa Martin-Green, who played, oh my gosh, I remember, it was uh, Homeboy's sister, Sasha. Yes, she played Sasha on The Walking Dead. Um, green Ghost in this, which is like a Green Lantern kind of character. Um, gender swapped for this. It doesn't really matter. No, it does <laughs> she's not. Another body. <laughs> uh, she's another body on the pile. Um, Chad Chad Coleman, who played Tyrese, her brother on Walking Dead, plays Martian Man, a.k.a. Martian Manhunter. Michael uh, Cutlitz, who played Abraham on The Walking Dead. He's here playing Red Rush, who's kind of like their Flash. Um, and then Lenny James, who played uh, somebody else on The Walking Dead and also Fear the Walking Dead, uh, plays Darkwing, which is their version of Batman. And then you have... Uh, the Immortal, played by Ross Marquand, who was also in The Walking Dead, but most notably in comic books, he played the newest version of the Red Skull uh, that was in the Infinity War and Endgame. Yes. So, Soul so Stealer. you got that stuff. So you got, oh yeah, we also have Aquarius, 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 Fishman, the Fishman, the actual just all Fishman, who's a version of uh, Aquaman. He's also uh, voiced by Ross so yeah you get this moment that is also changed from the comic where um in the comic all of the members you 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 get the, the similarities where all the members are called to their headquarters and they're like well who the hell called us here if it wasn't for the leader and then all of a sudden you just see these splashes of blood and omni man is standing there tall and they're covered in blood in the comic and so he never um, he never like has this big knock him, drag him out fight with them, nor is he ever hospitalized for it because he's never hospitalized for it. Cecil, uh, Cecil, who we'll talk about in a bit and his goons don't know about it. 
neither does Debbie. So, um, like, there's no heat on him after this event because he's just there's no reason to con- uh, think that he's one of the members there. What do you think about that change and making it more everyone kind of being on their on his toes? I think it was a very important change when it comes to the structure of a television show. Uh, yeah. You got eight episodes, and you want to set Omni Man up as the big bad for season one because it's very it's in the comics. It's the first arc too. It's it's yeah. very similar. Like it's a very similar amount of story space that you have, yeah. you know. And I can see maybe him uh, wanting to create a more mystery story for the characters. Rather, not not the audience because you know we know from the beginning, which is cool. It's, oh, it's always cool, but uh, yeah, it's just another. I can see it being another one of those Kirkman things. It's like I want to do the story this way too. But yeah, more than likely, I can see it as a television structure deal. They had asked him about why he put it the turn so early, like the you know the killing of the Guardians of the Globe so early in the show, and he said in the in the world that we live in today with so much media, he doesn't even have the uh you know the guarantee that people are going to stick around after episode one. <laughs> That's true. So you got to give them a hook, you know, something that they go, oh, what the hell? And man, people were passing around that clip like hotcakes. They still are of him just of him just obliterating that team and. In doing so, and letting it actually be a fight, it was more gruesome. Uh, like I said, in the comics, there's a couple pages of blood splattering, and then he's done. And what did you think about the fight in full scale oh. with this? Seeing them like try to team up Dude, and stuff like that. Talk a little bit about that. That was awesome. That was just sick. That was disturbing. It was awesome. I should don't call ACS on me. I fucking my twelve year old kid is watching this with me. <laughs> I mean, I knew that Invincible was like, you know, it, it gets crazy, but I, it comes so fast, you know? And then yeah, it's great because the show definitely sets up the first episode like very tropey and I'm going to get my superpowers. And yep. <laughs> like, yeah. it hits the credits and you're like, okay, that was okay. And then right. the freaking after credit scene hits, and it's like the red wedding. <laughs> yeah, and the ap- it's a, it's an after credit scene that goes for like fifteen minutes. Yeah, it was- you know, like you're sitting with it. You're like, what? This is still going on. Like it keeps happening. This is crazy. It was freaking disturbing. It's just normally it's just like I'm I'm desensitized to this in animation, especially as well the freaking anime I watch. But damn, man, that was. Do you sick. remember? Do you remember the one thing that in that scene that you were like, well, okay, like this is, this oh, is now gotten out of control. Well, immediately when he freaking squished Red Rush's face. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, even, even there, like watching Red Rush breaking his hand yeah. on, on his chest. I was like, are you, this is ridiculous. That's, are you kidding It me? was awesome though. Like they, it didn't feel like a, like a squash, you know, it felt like a fight. It was a fight, yeah. you know. He didn't, he didn't go. And when you watch it again after seeing what he's capable of, and to see the yeah. amount of damage they were able to put on him in the beginning, like yeah. they, those are some worthy people. You know, yeah. that was awesome. That was so well done. That's a great, great decision on Kirkman's part to to do this the way he did. And you're you're 100 right. I feel like what they end up doing with this fight is 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 laying down that power scale. And like you said, you know, it took all of them together to do to to be able to take him down. But as you continue on with the show, you start to realize how much power he actually has 
and it's it's and that right there that right there is uh that's the Dragon Ball Z part that everyone always mentions to me. And I did, that's generally a shonen thing in anime yeah. where, like, you set the power scale in the beginning. You set this impossible power scale. But this is just the beginning. Yeah. So by the yeah. time, like, as the character develops, as the powers develop, by the time you finish the show, if you ever go back to the beginning, it's nuts to watch it that way. Like, man, look at this. Yeah. This is nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is this that we're raving about. This is gonna be nothing, and we right in the when we as we keep going, this is gonna be like tame. And you and it keeps happening. It keeps and I I, I would like to credit also the comic for doing the same. Mm-hmm. Like once the comic starts to bust open, you know the universe. Oh, no. Like once it once it stops oh, going nice. from being you know uh, only dealing with the neighborhood and then like let's say the state and then the country once the comic actually branches out into like space and galaxies and all that kind of stuff it it does it doesn't ever resort back to being small again it's like that power scale thing you were talking about like once we start saying okay we can do that but then we could do more it just it increases and the that's like one of the things that happens with the violence in this it just once you like you think you see a couple things you're like oh okay well that's what what could be possibly worse than that and they always have something else up right up behind it. And I'm such a pre huge, huge like shonen anime freak that this show is absolutely up my alley. Like this is this is exact this is exactly what anime is. Like people are people don't even know that they're about to just experience it because it was written by an American. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, this is gonna be sick. This is gonna be such a ride. <laughs> Let's talk about the new Guardians of the Globe, aka the Teen Team. <laughs> Horrible superhero name. Horrible name for a team, uh, I think. But yeah, we got Zachary Quinto in as Robot, uh, who, yeah, he's got a whole thing going on here <laughs> with him. Um, in the show, they made it seem really early that he was kind of evil. In the comic, it takes a little bit longer. I don't know if he's evil. He just seems a little bit. I don't think he's what you- evil. I think he's uh, misguided. There's just he, like the dude lived in. I mean, I, <laughs> if we're listening to this, you saw the show, right? I can only imagine. Yeah, the dude lives in yes. a freaking tube. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> you know yep. his perspective. Like jar. <laughs> his perspective is gonna be really warped. Okay, and, and what is he like? Twenty-seven. They said. Something like, um, is it 32? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 27? Yeah, he's older. Yeah, he's older. Yeah. I don't know exactly how old. It's but yeah, not like old, old, though. It's like young. No, no. His guy is fuck. I don't think he's evil. I think he just. He's never had a life. He's yeah. never had a, 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 a you know. I one think that it's he can... weird that he was attracted to a young looking girl. But I guess, you know, whatever. I, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that we'll because. Me and Dan the comic man had one hell of a conversation. Um, uh, probably under the influence about that. That was quite funny. Uh, we get Gillian Jacobs of Community Fame as much of uh, you know she's in a bunch of other things as well. But she plays Samantha Eve Wilkins, aka Adam Eve, uh, who is a member of the team team, becomes a new guardian, and then you know is like Invincible's little gal pal. Um, what do you think of Adam Eve in this and her like? I guess yeah, just her being in this and not being the damsel in distress. They said they set her up to be very uh, independent and strong, and then there was the one the the there was just like a couple scenes where well well it's just like if you want to develop a romance, so you just these are these things you have to do. 
you know. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but I thought she set out. She uh, stood out very. Uh, I would say independent because like. The story arc that they set for her was very much one of independence. So by the end yeah. of it, she felt like uh, she could definitely hold her own as a character. <laughs> right. And it's it's interesting and, and also poignant that they didn't end this season or show with them. Right? Because then that would have kind of went back on all this independent stuff yeah, yeah. that they were dealing with her. Like, if she eventually ends up making that conscious decision, both of them as adults, right, in the future, then all power to them. But right now, um, she's on her own journey. And one of the interesting things explored in Invincible, the comic, is this idea that if you have that much power and if you have that much ability to change the world and save the world, why even go to school? Like, why go to college? You're doing those things to eventually get a job to pay well. But if you are the difference between life or death, you might be actually wasting your time doing the other stuff. Yeah. Um, what do you What do you think about that idea? What do you think about the idea of, like, I don't need to be a member of a super team to just help people, to just get up and, <laughs> and, and like, build a, a house for somebody or anything? What do you think about uh, that mentality? There? I mean, it's absolutely right. Sometimes, uh, I mean, it's because it's more interesting to write a story about fighting. These superheroes won't take a step back. You won't, you're not going to see an issue of uh Supergirl where she's, you know, building houses and, and uh, doing things like that. But if you was to place this in the concept, in the context of a real world, <laughs> like on yeah. their downtime in between just the big battles, you would want them to go around. And if somebody, especially with Adam Eve's powers, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. And, to, and let me just say, uh, I didn't know, like I said before, I didn't get a chance to read the comic. Uh, I've just always known about it. So watching this, right. when they were calling her Adam Eve, I thought yeah. something entirely different about oh, what she oh, was going to be. And she has like a she has like a gender thing. Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. what the heck is that? Not in a bad way. I yeah. was just like, oh, wow, that's interesting. But, yeah. but then I see that I was wrong. And now I'm like, yeah. oh, that's an interesting choice of design then. But it almost makes you, yeah, it almost makes you say, why set it up? Why? You why? Know, why you almost immediately set something up. Yeah, like, what are you doing then? <laughs> yeah. So one of the interesting things about um, her, she does the same thing in the comic as well. You know, she's dating Rexplode, and Rexplode is cheating on her with a duplicate. <laughs> uh, that happens in the comic as well. But I think at one point she even gets with um, William <laughs> Multi-slut. in the comic. Yeah, if she gets with William in the comic, which we'll talk about uh, the changes they made to him that made that impossible. But yeah, she I really like her getting on her own. Um, we saw how her parents treat her. Her dad said the worst day of his life was the day she got power. So not a big support system there, um, which is something I don't think we've seen yet. Have we seen a superhero whose parents are just like... No, like you, just I mean, we like, don't want you to be a superhero. Absolutely, like you freaking, this is horrible. Like, but like right. using them over yeah. it, you know, like it's just it's. I don't think we've seen. Uh, uh, right. I don't think we've seen superheroes get abused by their parents because of their powers yet. <laughs> that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> we also have Jason Man. Zukas as Rex Sloan, <laughs> aka Rex Blode. Uh, he's a little bit out there in this, a little bit wackier than he is in the comic. What do you think of Jason playing Rex Blode? Uh, you know, who's kind of cheating on <laughs> Adam Eve. He picks fights with Monster Girl. 
He's a little bit uh a little bit crazy that guy. I don't know if I I don't know if I could <clears throat> it's hard to turn down the opportunity to have that kind of <clears throat> experience <laughs> with, yeah. with with yeah. duplicate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're saying the man's had a once in a lifetime opportunity. You can't really judge him. It's hard to judge him for that. <laughs> it really is. It's like they all came out of the bathroom and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't be mad at that. I can yeah. understand how you could be, but I, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I, I, I'm glad they didn't just make him like the cartoonish, you know, just the guy in the way of the, in the way of the girl, you know? Yeah. Like he, like I obviously they kind of did that with the whole like right when they meet the boyfriend does something assholey and that now it's make it makes it easier if the protagonist wants to get with the girl or whatever. But I think that in kind of fleshing him out and you know he does apologize to Eve at one point and he he's on this team so he's of somebody of value. Uh, gave him a little bit of a third dimension there. Sometimes I feel like Jason's reading a little bit too crazy. Some of these lines, he's a bit, a little bit too uh, animated, but it's an animated <laughs> show, right? Really, I, was he, really. uh, was Rex always like Spanish? No, he was a uh, ginger, if I'm not mistaken. That's cool. In the man. comics. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So that was another, that was another little addition that they had. Um, Malise Zhao plays Duplicate. Um, not really much on Duplicate in this. Same thing in the comics. Uh, she has a much bigger role later on, but... Nothing past that. Uh, Greg Griffin plays Shrinking Ray. Uh, and Shrinking Ray was actually a guy in the comics, but it's a woman in this. And then you have Greg Griffin, who plays Shrinking Ray, also plays Monster Girl. As she plays the female voice of Monster Girl. And then Kevin Michael Richardson plays the monster form of Monster <laughs> Girl. Veteran comic, uh, comic book voice actor. <laughs> Same thing with Carrie Payton. Who plays Black Samson? Fucking, um, I love he, that Carrie Payne. Okay, so get this: this whole show, right? They basically avoided casting anybody from animation who does animated voices, like anybody. Yeah, they they yep. they got around that by filling every single spot with a celebrity, and somehow Carrie Payton still got a shot in here. The dude's yep. a freaking yep. legend. Yeah, that's like Kevin Michael Richardson. Like he's really. Those those voices. Who plays the um the Mauler twins too? That's a very the, oh uh, Clancy Brown. There you go. Yeah, yeah. For dude, yeah. it's amazing. I love that. It's like the best of the best. Like like if we're gonna pick anybody that has done voices in the past, it's like the tippy the tippy top. All you're missing is like the freaking Kevin Conroy or Mark Hamill or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But you know, even getting people like um, Seth Rogen to play Alan the Alien, you know, like to play like this, this alien that kind of just got things wrong and was like, "Oh yeah, this is not Earth, this is Earth." I, oh damn, son of a bitch! I heard he like ad libbed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that that you know that interaction happens in the comic. What do you think about that storyline there? The guy who. The alien that comes to I, challenge. I thought that was hilarious, but and then and then <laughs> Seth Rogen sold it like perfectly. Like he had like the perfect doof voice. Yeah, and I get yeah. you know he'll be back, right? Yeah, he will be back. Alan actually plays a very very big role mm-hmm. in the things to come because of uh, you know, like we said again, the universe is going to expand. It's going to start going more to space. We've already talked about this coalition of planets. So this is our entry in. Uh, this guy Alan who works for them. Um, 
I I like that he was like, oh, you know, uh, you know, but you better watch out because there's a Viltrumite on your planet, <laughs> like mad late. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah. Talk, Don't you worry about that. Talking to a Viltrumite. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, there's so many different characters in this. I wanted to bring up because we talked about Clancy Brown, Damien Darkblood. What do you think of this Hellboy Rorschach? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Constantine as character. He reminded me the, of like Etrigan a bit too. I was like, this is a yeah, case. yes, 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 definitely yes. Uh, yeah, I thought it did, I thought it was tragic, <laughs> but, but of course he'll be back too. They set it up in the show. For you, he was yeah. in hell. They sent him to hell, right? Yeah, in the show, but like the book smiled and growled. Okay, so I guess I don't know if if other people even picked up on that because I've never seen it mentioned. But like in the end of the episode where he goes to hell, the book growls and the subtitles clearly state Damien growls. Yeah, so like he's in the book or something. I, don't know. I guess so. I don't even remember actually what happened to him in the comic. The funny part about him in the comic is that the day after the, the day either right after or like right before the whole Omni Man thing, yeah, he comes out and he's like, "I figured it out. Omni Man was the one." That, and then everyone's like, "Bro, we dealt with that weeks ago." Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> like, "Yo, you're really, really late to all this." And he gets really mad. They play him up to be like this real serious Rorschach as character. Like even in the comic, he speaks in those like gurgles, like those you know, uh, lots of blood, you know, kind of fine killer kind of stuff. And then he's like, "No, he's he's like way behind on everything. Everybody else already knows." So that's pretty funny. Um. So uh, Andrew Vanellis plays William Clockwell. That's Mark's best friend. Uh, we were talking a little bit off air about this, but Mark's best friend in the comic is initially played up as a as a straight man, and then uh, eventually it's revealed that he is gay. Uh, in this, they go straight for him being gay uh, off the rip, which I feel like was a little bit because of the insensitive uh, sometimes use of gay as a insult in the comic early on. Um, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of like flying. I think in the first part time that he tells William that he knows how to fly, that he's invincible. He uh, same thing like in the show. William makes him fly, and when Invincible's holding him, he's like, "This is so gay." You know, and <laughs> at, 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 at the at the very okay. So at that moment, at that moment right there, like if he's like holding him and like if he's got his. <laughs> Yeah, he's holding it's, him like a like a child. It's it's <laughs> less insensitive than like when you use the word gay as like stupid, which was the yes, that was like the general. Yeah. That was just that was like it was it's absolutely uh insensitive. Uh it just what the general society didn't see it that way at the time. So yeah, it was like, just juvenile. You know, it was just it was juvenile. Just, like it was just you know, kids kids saying stupid. For sure. Shit. So the they they taken the opportunity to not only to get rid of it but to kind of just Boom! Now put Mark out there as a gay character from the beginning. So now maybe you can develop him uh, with other characters, you know? Yeah. And may- yeah. maybe other characters that he would not have gotten a chance to develop that way with in the comic because he wasn't out fast enough. Yeah, yeah, uh, and you get off the rip, so you avoid all that kind of stuff. You get you uh, diversify your cast mm-hmm. and you know their backgrounds and stuff like that, and so you get to tell other stories from other voices. So yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. Um, speaking of telling other stories for other voices, your favorite character, Zazie Beats, yeah. plays Amber Bennett. 
uh, Mark's classmate and girlfriend. Uh, what did you think of Amber as a character? She's such a bitch. I'm so, <laughs> I'm I'm just like okay. Don't get me wrong. I love Zazie Beats. Uh, I love Amber actually as a character. She's very complex. She doesn't take right. shit. She's uh she. But there was a point where I was like, there there was a point where I was like, okay, she's right. She's right. She's right. She's right. And then, and then. She reveals like God knew you were a superhero all along. So why the fuck? Why are you mad? You, you right? Yeah, <laughs> you're, yep. You're, yep. This is ridiculous. I yeah. I was just like, I hate you now. And then they like they get back. Oh my god! I in the com in the comics, the character's interesting because she's she is. Uh, how do I say it? She's not three dimensional at all. Like there's this mm-hmm. uh, almost this there's almost this level that almost everything else in Invincible's life is more interesting than her, you know, because she's just a a, a very I guess a very attractive high schooler um, that he likes. It's not like she you know she was the prom queen or anything like that. Like his life is so much bigger than than that. And so whenever she would complain about him not being around and she didn't know his secret identity, it was always kind of like how Walt's wife is set up in Breaking Bad. Yep. You know, she becomes annoying by proxy of trying to prevent him from doing cool things. Mm-hmm. But she doesn't ever know that um that she, you know, he's invincible. And she fucks Ted. But yeah, and she fucks Ted. <laughs> so well, interesting what's interesting is but I, I think we're following a thread here because what happens in the comic is he eventually does tell her that she's that he's invincible, and after a long conversation, and like literally explaining, oh, so that time and this time, yeah, yeah, I was doing this, I was doing that. She sleeps with him, and their relationship gets deeper. But eventually, because he is constantly away and uh, has more and more things to do in space, as the series continues, they just genuinely have a falling out of like you know this is not working. Um. Maybe Kirkman saw that and saw her, her her sleeping with him as like him being insensitive or something. It so ends up extra hard. It ends up being <laughs> like, maybe it, it, even maybe on a on a greater level than that. It's just more like uh, we have a female character here and we can hit the same story beats, but in a more fleshed out way. Like we yeah. can get a better character out of it. Right. You know, and, and and just get a stronger female character out of it too, because it it still tells you know the same story. You know, Mark Jenner, Jen, Jen, like actually has other more important and more exciting things to do. It's yeah. the reason why he can uh, be around. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I still hope the end game is the same. You know, I, I want my guy Mark to get with Adam Eve. <laughs> <laughs> but, and, I, and, I, and I think they want I think they want that for you but that's what I'm saying like I feel like there's nobody who watched this series and organically was happy that they got back together no way no way but I follow groups and I've seen and I've seen uh, <laughs> are people pushing back against the pushback yeah I've happening? seen people pushing yeah. back yeah. <laughs> yeah I've seen it <laughs> I you know I I obviously my my uh, spider sense for this kind of stuff goes haywire right because I know that initially whenever a character is gender swapped or race swapped uh, for uh, adaptation people go nuts there was literally just something I saw the other day of somebody saying that oh they can't immerse themselves in the new Batman film because Jim Gordon is black oh my god. Yeah. That's you know what I'm saying? Right. So, and and then and then Jeffrey Wright wrote in like, "Don't even worry about it." <laughs> <laughs> he, he quote tweeted it. And it was like, "Don't even, don't even worry about it." But I got you, bro. I got you. Like, don't even worry about it. Uh, 
And so I knew that people were going to have an issue with Amber being black uh, off the rip. And then they were doing stuff where she was reading Ta-Nehisi Coates and stuff. So people were already getting up in arms about it. And then, you know, the the twist at the end there where she knew she knew. And it's because she knew that she was angrier because he didn't tell her quicker. I guess he didn't give her enough credit or something earlier. I'm I'm not too sure. I was not feeling that. I was like, man. (laughs) Yeah. There was, like I said, I, I... really do like the character like i still do i guess but right now i'm just like <laughs> get rid of her get rid of her <laughs> yeah i love that i just rewatched stuff. it too they i just, just rewatched it too and it's 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 a bit much it's it, it is the argument's a bit much because he's like he's saying everything that we're thinking like but i i trust you i trust you now <laughs> i'm telling you now you know like all that kind of stuff i also, I also thought it was interesting that they just Drew Amber as uh, Zazzy Beats. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's another, that's another thing that they chose to do. They chose to once they casted her, they were like, we might as well uh, get some inspiration. Are you by like a computer, like with Google? Yeah, real quick. Yeah, can you type in Amber uh, Invincible show? I guess. Uh, tell me what's the first thing that comes up. Uh oh. Uh oh. We're doing this live on air, people. This is out of control. I'm scared. Live on air. Amber Invincible. Should I type in show? Uh, You can put in show. Yeah, sure. Uh, uh, People seem to dislike Amber from Invincible, and it is sadly typical for fandom. (laughs) Dislike. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, no. (laughs) It's all all there already. It's all there already. And they're going to point. Pushback. Okay, so I'm yeah, seeing people back piss, back. pissed at Amber. And let me tell you, it's completely unwarranted. <laughs> see, see? Oh, yeah, man. Wow, so some people great. some people are using, you know, using the fact that she it was race swapped as a reason to stoke, stoke the fires. There's some people think, who really yeah. believe that he because she was she was a bad character. A not bad character. She did unlikable things. I do in think that. Last that some people who were already mad that she got race swapped are gonna hide behind the freaking uh flag of look, she's unlikable now. I told you, look at this. Yeah. But like And then you have the other side of that too, right? Where some people who have a legitimate reason not to like her are gonna be accused of only not liking her because she got race swapped. I didn't even know it was like a race. I didn't even think about it for like to, and now that I'm like I'm like, oh fuck, I shouldn't have even said that. I shouldn't even said anything about Amber. <laughs> you know what? I love I actually love Amber. <laughs> <laughs> No, you know what I saw. You know, you've seen you've seen the meme of it. You know of her. You know how they have that. Th- they used to have that thing of like a guy, and he would fade into um, Ike Turner, yeah, or whatever the heck. They have a thing of her fading into Candace Patton, yeah, uh, Irish West. We so it's like the same thing. It's the, yeah, it's the same thing. You know, it's like yeah, man. Like you people have your opinions. Like what you like, just just make sure they're rooted in something a little bit stronger than this character doesn't look like me because. Uh, there are there are genuine criticisms you can have about some of these characters and their progression, but try to keep it staked in something. Has some substance. Okay, I feel like I, okay. At any point, if your argument is why did they change the race of this character, it's ruining the story for me. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. Right? I can't take you seriously anymore. If you're not, you can't even have because I'm. I don't want to completely dismiss you or over like. Asking the question. If you edu- if yeah. you're asking the question and you genuinely want an answer, then maybe we can get one or whatever. But like, if you're just like, 
you don't want an answer. You're just saying it as a statement, and you don't like it, and you won't like it, and I'm not, I'm not here for it. How dare they? <laughs> you know, I'm, that's what that's what I'm about. Though I'm about like having these long form conversations about it because sometimes they are rooted in in other things. Sometimes you'll be like, you don't even know. You're like, I don't know why I don't like this character, and you start to flesh it out and be like, oh, okay, well. They actually gave me reasons not to. It's not just a inherent bias I have against this or that kind of thing. Like I remember, I remember I constantly had that conversation with Birds of Prey. Like Birds of Prey, I'm doing this review and I'm like, I I can I can feel the people already like, well, it wasn't for you, you know. <laughs> so it's like it's like, well, well, that's not my that's not my beef with it. I have other beefs with it, but are they made invalid because of? that because the idea that anyone who had an issue with it it's obviously because of this and it's not because of that you know and it's like uh you kind of get off into the weeds there um zazie herself is a bit you know she she just did deadpool 2 i'm assuming she's gonna do whatever comes in next she was excellent in that so she's a relatively new person to the superhero genre but a veteran we got mark hamill in the booth to play art rosenbaum uh, and like you might as well just cast him as that in the live action. I think that would be uh, yeah. Work. I honestly don't want to see Invincible's live action. I know um the boss logics are making the pictures of Henry Cavill with a mustache and maybe right. we can put the mustache to good use. Haha. I thought that um Invincible works so well as in anim in animation. The colors, the brightness, it it's adds to the facade that you're supposed to believe when you go into this story. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The the the, the choice of brightly colored heroes and you can't really replicate that in live action. You can do the light bright colors and you can lighten the freaking filter on the screen, but it's just gonna come off like when they when Zack Snyder did Watchmen and it looks just like Watchmen. It looks exactly like Watchmen, but it's is missing something. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know what? You know it's funny. I, I I'm I'm almost sure that you're the one who pitched it to me this way. Like, cause you had always talked about this series in high praise. You just ne never said you had the time to actually dive in, and it's a whole series. I remember you describing it as like four color comics. You know, classic four color comics covered in blood like just you know like like the 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 simplistic um costume designs you know the simplicity of the drawings of the city and everyone and then just with this with this layer of just gore and blood and seriousness to it and the thing is that that seriousness uh, and correct me if i'm wrong but that seriousness feels like it perverts the four color stuff. That's why it's as extreme. And that's why you have that visceral reaction when you see it. When you see Omni-Man rip apart that cartoon Justice League, it's because you used to watch the cartoon Justice League. You never saw anybody rip, literally turn heads around and bash brains. And it almost feels dirty. It feels like you perverted this clean medium. And I think that's what the series is going for. It's exactly what I, that's that's exactly what they're going for. That's exactly why I don't think it'll work in live action. I'm just like I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> uh, so will you, so will you be disappointed to find out oh, okay. that that's exactly what they'll be doing? That's exactly what that's they're disgusting. doing. They're, uh, they um Seth Rogen, who is also executive producer of this, along with Evan Goldberg, is working on a live action version of Invincible as we speak. What is even, even though like why would you oversaturate your own product? Like why would I don't understand 
stand stand on its own legs and then finish maybe you right no, yeah we are literally, literally just season one like two and three just got green lit congratulations but they're already working on the back half of this this is like it's a little weird you know it's a little strange if um they fit about 13 issues into eight episodes and you figure that's 26 more that have you got been, about 10 seasons yeah, there you got a lot of Time. I can't believe that they would jump right into like doing a movie that's gonna be like an Amazon original that nobody's gonna watch. Come on. Not not only that, but if you if you gave it the time, if you waited the ten years, you know, like you tell the ten years, you tell the eight year story of Arrow and then do a Green Arrow movie, it makes it, 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 you you build your fan base, and then it, it pays over twice. But to not wait seems very, very strange. And someone, act, uh, Kevin Smith asked him, uh, Robert Kirkman, that is, well, then what story are you going to tell? Like, you're going to tell this story again? He's like, well, maybe not. So I don't even know oh, what the hell that means. God you know, what did that, what did, um, what no, did that mean? No, I was so happy with this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, we, we're, we're still in season one. We can still, we can still uh, you know, just, champion the things done in season one. I've seen this, you know, I've, I've, I've seen this happen. The Greek can be a really evil thing. You, you talking about like the this works? So now let's uh, put this on a conveyor yeah, belt and just fuck. Let's get it all out, it out there right now. Let's pump it out. Absolutely oversaturate the shit out. Let's do it. <laughs> pump it out. Oh, no. Well, let's let, let's uh, put you back on a high note. Reginald Vell Johnson oh, yeah. plays <laughs> Principal Winslow in this uh, show, and what's interesting is. Um, he goes to Reginald Vell Johnson High School in the comic. Uh, Reginald Vell Johnson, for those who don't know, actually plays Officer Winslow, amongst other characters, in Family Matters. Um, so the idea that you would then cast him to play the principal, uh, Principal Winslow, who's also based off of Officer Winslow, who's played by Reginald Vell Johnson. Perfect. Uh, hilarious. Absolutely Ab- perfect. And just another perfect voice casting on this goddamn show. Yes. Um, I I actually didn't know this, but if you go through the volumes um, up until maybe like the last three or four, they're all television titles. Oh, every wow. single volume. So it's like Family Matters, The Three's Company, like stuff like that. Like that's just the names of the volumes. So uh, yeah, Kirkman seems to have a lot of fun with the tropes, the general tropes out there in pop culture. He does get a lot of this. Stuff I don't out know there. if you remember the way he ended The Walking Dead. He basically oh, no, no, no. put out. He, 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 they, they, uh, they put out fake solicitations for months and months and months in advance. So when the actual issue ended, uh, it was just a surprise that people found out on that morning when they read the book that it was the last one. That huh? it was the last one, and they were, <laughs> we were just lying about putting out any books because we know the way you think, and we know what you look for, and we decided to play with you. <laughs> but no, it's yeah. actually over now. So yeah, he's <laughs> definitely one to uh, know the way the industry works and then flip it on its head to get a reaction. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember even uh, him telling the story that he sold The Walking Dead as like an alien story. Like he'd eventually find out that aliens had caused the the zombies and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, but then he never, he just never put aliens in the comic, <laughs> and they kept selling, and it just kept working. So I thought that was funny. Uh, so yeah, Mahersha Ali plays Titan. Uh, he's pretty cool there. Kevin Michael Richardson, yeah. Um, Mauler twins. We got um Ezra Miller. A flash uh, fame coming in as D.A. Sinclair. 
Um, it's funny because that guy just looks like Loki. Yeah. Um, but this is obviously years before the Loki that we know in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, uh, crazy. Like I, I, I'm somebody who really looks at villains like deeply because I, it, it it's very hard to make new heroes, but it's also very hard to make new villains and not make them all sound so cliche. One of the things that they're good at with their villains in this is that they're all merciless. Like they're all, there's no shred of like sympathy in any of these guys to have, um, you know, DA Sinclair operating on live people. And then when they start to have their screams of pain to decide that, Oh, I'll just cut their vocal cords out. You know, like how crazy, like how sadistic, um, and, them being able to raise the bar with characters like that makes me more interested in the universe because I know that guys like that exist. 100%. Uh, crazy, crazy stuff. 100%. That's, uh, uh, I was going to say that the, the episode with Titan was another example of uh, getting me interested in uh, the villains of this world and fleshing it out. That's interesting because the Titan episode is actually takes place after the events of the Omni-Man fight in the comics. Uh, it's it's kind of how they dribble the ball while they you know while they're doing the bigger stuff yeah um but it's it, it's an interesting wrinkle there because it shows that not everybody's clean cut not everybody like everybody's kind of selfish in this world and they're gonna take what they want that's a um, that's actually a one of those pieces that you move and uh if you move it early enough you've changed something very large like because he took over that organization early now what yeah. happens yeah and and like uh, the eventual fallout in case people blame Invincible for that power vacuum, right? Like you kind of let yeah. if you're mad at this guy being in charge, it's kind of what you did. You kind of helped it happen. Um, I love that episode with Titan because you get one of my favorite characters from the comics, Battle Beast, who's just this. <laughs> he's just this like a uh, big white lion esque monster with a big uh, like cosmic rod. That he just beats the hell out of people with, including damn near killing Invincible in this, uh, almost smashing him in half. Um, so uh, Michael Dorn plays that. We got Jeffrey Donovan playing Machine Head. Um, when when um, Robert Kirkman was talking about this comic and talking about the cast, he was like, I got John Hamm and he plays a guy named Steve. And that's true. Yeah. Like he, he got so much pull. John Hamm just plays a guy named Steve. That's that's it. So that's like that. You could just pull him in, call the call the Madman guy, uh, and do that. It's funny you're talking about the not really digging the live action uh, thing about it because everyone has been. That's all anyone's been doing is trying to cast this live action style. Um, but I feel like you're just taking away. Like enjoy this story as it is and see if see if, uh, if you want it live action in a couple years. <laughs> you know, let's get there first. Uh, boom, boom, boom. But yeah, I guess we're up past the cast. Let's start talking about some of these bigger themes and stuff. So like, um, like you alluded to, it starts off as a basic origin story kind of deal. And Robert Kirkman talked about really liking Spider-Man comics and really liking Robin comics, which is probably why we got Mark Grayson. Uh, that makes a lot of sense there. God, I didn't even, um, I didn't even, it did not uh, occur to me. For whatever ah, look at you. That's good. That, that means you give everybody. That means you give everybody a clean slate. I try. You know that's that's a lot, bro. That says a lot. Uh, not, not, none to do with the uh, memory uh, decline of our of our age. 
<laughs> and you can say the age. I, I blame. <laughs> I blame the the herbal essence. Hey, sometimes, baby, you gotta get through. Gotta push through. Not we don't all have superpowers, you know. You gotta push through. <laughs> but yeah, so you have this young kid. Of what did you think of? the show's portrayal of this young kid getting his superpowers for the first time, getting roughed up. You know, he has like the makeshift costume at one point. What do you think about what is commonly referred to as like a very, the very tropey part of comics, which is this origin story, all that kind of stuff there. I went into it uh, already willing to like give it a shot. So I was like, okay, this is just the beginning. Like I said, but then, you know, then they hit you with the post credit and they flipped it on his head. So I was like, okay, oh yeah. But, but then when you just, just Mark's story as an art, uh, I thought it. I thought even within all this gore and and crazy mature content, it still was able to tell the same kind of a Spider Man esque teenage hero story. You know, going through love yeah. problems or the girl likes him and he doesn't know. You know, <laughs> like they're still right. there. It's still there. It, it, yeah, it's great. I thought it's great. I- it's incredibly important as well, you know, because you got to balance those things out. One of the biggest differences between the comics and the show as well is that um, we don't just follow Mark. We also follow, you know, his father, Nolan. We follow we follow his mom. Um, we follow Amber on occasion and Eve. And it gives us a bunch of different perspectives into this grand universe that's here. So I think one of the other interesting parts about it is that... With following the mother and the father, we get to see more of a relationship between them and Mark and how they how they view all this here. What do you think about like conversations that Mark has with his mother? Like that whole thing about, you know, um, he kind of like plays his mom for being normal at one point, <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, he's not that she wouldn't get the whole superhero aspect of this, but he is two parts uh, you know it takes two parts to make him that person it both his very human mother normal and boring mother and his uh votes for my father i think i think i've seen I'm like this is something i've seen in a lot of different media and they definitely uh they they've uh they set it up so that mark has a reason to love earth regardless of what his father's saying and how much he looks up to him so when his father says you know i should have raised you differently he's right he's absolutely right about that (laughs) because look at what happened yeah (laughs) yeah uh i yeah i think i think it's interesting that they do give him this stake here and that she is like debbie at the end of this comes out as being like you know how they say like lois is the key like she is the one that kind of got the man to kind of see things her way and see the all the great parts about um that world and that universe the universe earth and all that kind of stuff there so i think that that's pretty cool that's pretty interesting there um we got to talk about the flaxons the alien invasion this was the first time that i realized that they were they were playing for keeps watching those aliens come out and just kill civilians this was the first time i had ever seen consequences on a scale like this uh what do you think about that I think it's always interesting to see when a show has been given the liberty to freaking show the cat the damage on the streets the way it actually would be. You know, it's yeah. it's gruesome, but if this was happening on the real world, it would look like this. 
It would look exactly yeah. like that. I thought the invasion was interesting, the whole concept of uh, time moving differently or whatever, because when we eventually get that uh, uh, that Omni-Man going over there and be destroying the entire planet, what a visual. I, I like also the idea of like a grudge. Oh, that like that, that, that guy kept having a grudge and kept coming back here because he kept getting figured out and stuff. Um, the I I don't remember the genocide happening in the comics. Um, or if it does, it doesn't happen that spectacularly. But you talk about another jaw dropping moment. Like he just goes over there, and the whole animation style, like of him like reaching to like a point of a supernova and just going in and out of the planet and oh my god it was like horrifying in the most beautiful way he's like doing the sonic boom through the city oh oh my yeah just he just picks up a big ass rock and throws it and then it throws it at a bunch of the people but like i remember look like that whole scene both parts was the first time in a while that i felt consequences and how bad some of this stuff can go it, it really made me start to think of some of the other big superhero fights that we've seen and obviously the end calls back to one of the most polarizing superhero fights in recent memory uh so i think that yeah this is this show is ripe for you know everything that it's trying to do with us having fresh memories of stuff like avengers you know, where the Chitari show up and there's a bunch of buildings exploding, but people are not dying. They're not dying. We're not seeing anyone die. We're not seeing anyone get shot by one of the Chitari laser guns or anything like that. I think for me, it's just I never fault uh, the other movies for not being able to show stuff like that because really it's the you get the age rating and stuff to worry about. But I, I like to I like to kind of imply in my own mind. I hate I more hate when the movie goes out of its way to show you that everyone survived. I, I would <laughs> right, right. rather that you just don't show it, and then I can assume that they all died because that makes sense that they would die. Yeah, you know, and then I won't yeah. fault you for anything. You know, like so that's cool. Like it, it, it and in both, I think in other cases, like they these stories end up like in the Marvel stuff. They end up trying to come around with consequences and stuff. It's just you can't show all these dead bodies. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like those consequences, like the humans' lives lost in situations like that, is kind of such a relatively new uh, avenue to explore that they were able to make two whole movies out of it with Batman versus Superman, right? Showing the outcome of of what happened with uh, the Battle of Metropolis and then Civil War. I was going to say... Which was dealing with all of that on that side as well. On the other side of the coin of what I was saying, there is also the... the, uh, How do I put it? So the Avengers movies... if 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 there's any problem I ever have with most superhero movies is that yeah, there are consequences, and yeah, we're being told that through exposition or whatever, but we're never seeing things from the viewpoint of the ground. Yeah. Like, not just the camera looking up and seeing rocks fall on it either. I mean, like, the new, like, the people, their emotions about yeah. what's happening. You know the human story, yeah, the human the, story, the regular normal and I don't on wanna, the ground human story. And I don't, I'm not saying these this deserves 15 minutes of time and even, but like there's ways to express it. And I thought Invincible 
did that pretty well, especially uh, uh, towards the end. Yes, yes. Uh, we're going to get there relatively soon because I think we're actually carried through this pretty pretty well. Um, we got to talk about Cecil Stedman, mm-hmm. played by Walton Goggins. Um, that character, another very interesting change. Cecil Stedman is the person that uh, Omni-Man works for. It with the G, what is it? The global, let me see, let me see. Global Defense Agency, the GDA. So, um, <coughs> sorry. Cecil is the uh, director of the GDA and Nolan works for him. In the comic, Mark has no conversation with him, doesn't talk to him, doesn't see him at all till after Nolan leaves the planet. Because then obviously Cecil's like, uh, well, that was our superhero. We're going to need a new superhero. So are you down to to do this and are you down to be on call and have the little communicator and all that kind of stuff there um what did you think of the character of Cecil in this not only being introduced early on but kind of showing you the relationship that he has with other superheroes and the relationship that he'll eventually get with Mark I think it's great to add uh because it doesn't exactly uh take away anything from what's to come with the character as much as it just adds more to it it enhances yeah. what's going to come. So that's that's always a great thing. I love stuff like that. So what they did with Cecil was perfect. I thought they giving him a, his own, I guess, C plot, D plot even. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's yeah. going to work out great for the development of this particular character here. He's a big gray. What do you think about that? It, it works for the type of character he is. He's a super, uh, I guess, government agency Spy Nick Fury with a messed up FaceTime <laughs> deal. Yeah, I guess at one point he's not like all these spy leaders have a dis- disfigurement because they're so good at spy. They stuff. barely, they barely, they barely got out alive. They all, all of them, barely got out alive. That's what it is. You got to put your uh, best foot forward there. But yeah, that's pretty interesting. Um, he he has a lot to do in this that, like I said, he w- wasn't really in the comics for. Um, but we got to see the White Room from the comics, if you, anyone's ever read it. Uh, it's interesting because we're told that the only reason why Mark can't see it is because the government a long time ago laced all the water in the world <laughs> with the chemical. Which <laughs> is something that they say in the comic as well, which I thought it was pretty interesting. But yeah, I think I think we got to talk about the main event now, bro. I think we've I think we've. Uh, We've stalled for long enough. <laughs> it, it's time to talk about um, the truth behind Nolan's journey here to Earth, the the true meaning and the true mission of the Viltrumites and that last battle. Um, we get this confession. Obviously, we had been following this murder mystery, even though we know that um, Omni-Man was in on it. Debbie finds out. Debbie gets actual proof from the tailor or Rosenbaum with actual DNA samples that are actually on the suit to show that he did murder those people. So everyone around is just getting confirmation, something that didn't happen in the comic. Again, no one knew until he confessed it. Um, and they kind of go crazy, like the G, the Global Defense Agency or whatever, um, tries to kill Nolan. What do you think about the several... Uh, courses of escalation against Omni Man. Mm-hmm. Um, starting off with 
uh, sending a bunch of troops to his home. That doesn't. And then, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. No, we'll go to each one. Uh, how do you think about him sending a bunch of troops to his home? I was home? gonna say that was a <laughs> that was like really stupid. But it, it's obviously all like a stalling tactic. But these dudes got wasted. Like the one dude that just got pushed and this, <laughs> yeah, crap, he's like broken half and his half slid across the table. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. It's ridiculous. And you know what? After watching it a second time, because I watched it right before here, you know, it's obvious that Cecil, Cecil is trying to stall. But the idea is that you would stall by throwing bodies at him is kind of messed up too, right? Like, we know, guaranteed, that when he sends the the fighter pilots, that he knows they're not going to last by that point. So, yeah, we get... So he takes out all the troops. Then um, he finds out that they've been spying on him from across the street. So he goes over there and they blow him up. Oh, man. Uh, Rest in peace, Bobby Hill. Yeah, Bobby Hill. Adult Bobby Hill passes away. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they, they do that there. And they're like, yeah, hopefully it'll knock him out for a couple of hours. And it does nothing. I was actually sick. He, he like reached into his back and had his spine. Yeah, and like he blows yep. up, but his hands invincible, so he's still got this perfectly good spine in his hand. Yeah, he's he's good to go. Oh god, that was sick. Then he f- decides he's gonna fly away, and um, I think it is now when they send the reanimen toward at him. The the zombie. Yeah, they just start biting his face. What do you think of Cecil working with Da Sinclair? It made sense. He just saw the way those things. He's desperate for a new uh, defense mechanism against the Omni Man now. So, like, if he saw the way they beat on Mark, it just made sense. I, I, um, that that's another interesting change because I'm certain that that happens after these events, mm-hmm. which makes which makes it feel like more of a betrayal because it just made it seem like he saw something cool and said. It doesn't matter how evil the guy is. We want that. We want that tech. <laughs> we want to use that that kind of stuff. Whereas in this, it's like he's willing to team up with the devil to, you know, get to accomplish some stuff. D.A. Sinclair sitting there with his jaw wired shut after getting that one punch that <laughs> cracked mm-hmm. his jaw halfway across his mouth, which is pretty interesting there. Bro, they killed me when they shot him with the satellite from space. I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> It, it it um it was pretty sick because I'm like I always get interested in the in the uh, you see this a lot in movies and shows the satellite weapons from space and I always like think like that that's gotta exist <laughs> yeah that's gotta exist in real life there's gotta be like satellite weapons right but also even if there is if you were to shoot one surely there are other consequences <laughs> I mean shit the people under him right. Yeah, Jeez. but they showed they showed like all the wildlife getting caught fire, like the forest fires. They showed the um all the birds falling out of the sky, I guess, because of the radiation of the blast. Like it, there was some damage. They they were there were some casualties to trying to stop this guy, and then they go, well, you know, let's just hit him again, and he just flies up into it, Man of Steel style. That was it. That mean, was come on. That was exactly what that was, right? Fight to happen. It had to have been because he was fighting against the pressure of the beam coming down this, on him. This doesn't which I have only ever the, seen once. This doesn't happen in the comic. No. Right? Yeah. That's no, because they're not trying to stop him because they don't think 
they don't think that it's him. They don't think that he's he's yeah. one who did it. So they're not trying to stop him. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, this is out of control. Then they send out a drugged up um, uh, kaiju, basically a, a, a Cthulhu, without any pain receptors, just to to stall him even longer, which then causes uh, you know Invincible and Adam Eve to get put onto the case there. Um, and while they're trying to take down this big kaiju, Immortal, who comes back to life, uh, shows up and he is in a rage, berserker rage, and he tries to take out Nolan, but Nolan kills him again. Uh, poor, poor Immortal there getting cut in half. He's, uh, I felt bad for him. <laughs> I was going to say, I guess, I guess we can't really say he's being killed then because he's been like. Shot in the head and stopped. He's being stopped. He's paused. Being he's being stopped. Paused. Like they, paused. there's a stinger after the thing that he shows he's like alive still. So yeah, yeah. And then they bring him back to life uh, in the end of the episode or the end of the last episode. Um, so yeah, he's he he'll be around. Um, oh, real quick, one of the things I want to mention that if you like them in the show. Read the comic for the Mauler twins because those two are absolutely hilarious. Because what their gimmick in the comic is that they're always trying to kill each other <laughs> to prove that one is the clone and one's not the clone. So at all times in all conversations, they're insulting each other. This one they were a little bit on each other's team more, but it was more so like the beginning of the of the show, like at that one point where one of them uses the other one like as a human shield. <laughs> it's like that. That's more their kind of relationship in the comics. I can't, it's pretty I can't wait to dig into that. Yeah. Uh, but now with um, with Immortal dead and on the ground, the world has now seen this because they were all alerted to the idea that this kaiju was, was wreaking havoc. The world sees Omni-Man, um, you know, destroy a member of the Guardian of the, the Globe. Cecil tells them all to stay the rest of the new guardians to stay and not fight because you know, this is, this doesn't concern them at the moment. And he has a conversation with his son. Omni-Man does where he tells him that no, actually there are, they are from a race of conquerors, a race that has um, been born almost like in the doomsday way of death, like the uh, Darwinism, it's pure Darwinism that if, if someone can kill you, they should. And then if someone can kill the per- that person who killed you, then they should. And ultimately breed an ultimate race of fighters and conquerors. And these guys have gone on ca- conquering countless galaxies. But it's gotten to the point where their resources became a little bit scarce. So they started, instead of sending whole armadas to conquer strong planets, they would send just one person, one Viltrumite to each planet to weaken them over time. So that when they did show up with the armadas... It was an open and shut case and real easy to do. And so he basically tells all this to Mark kind of matter of factly, like, like, no, there's no emotion behind it. Like, he's just telling him his the sky is blue and, you know, water's wet. <laughs> and Mark flips out um, about it. Now, one of the things I was worried about is because no one knows about it in the comic, this speech is a, a big surprise. But because you know about the murder a little bit early on and, and kind of he has kind of conversations with Cecil, he has a conversation with Debbie about these events. I was worried that the, they were going to have him show too much remorse, but that that worry evaporated 
after watching this scene. Um, what did you think about this scene of of Omni Man laying this all out for Mark, and how Mark responds to being told this grand scheme? I thought, um, <laughs> like you said, Omni Man's laying it out very matter of factly. It's a, it's such a shift. My my thing is, uh, I mean, it's not like a problem. I'm just like. It's it's clear that at some point having this kid and his family is kind of uh, not not changed him or anything, but like, right? I don't know if I I, I guess I, I guess because we've never seen him before this, it, it was it was weird to just accept like the snap, like like he like when did he just like was he always just deciding that one day he would just switch and it, like because he was so heroic before I don't know, but um yeah. It was it was like I was reacting like Mark was, you know, <laughs> like what the hell? Yeah. Uh, right. It was it was uh yeah no it was freaking awesome the way it was set up. So up up until that point, what what did you why did you think he did this? I was why I was, this was going I didn't think he was uh, under my control or anything. I I was certain this was him, but uh, yeah, I, I never believed the story that he told before anyway so like yeah i knew it yeah. was gonna be some type of twist okay. in regards to like the origin story i just didn't i was i was glad i didn't read the comic so that i didn't see it coming yeah yeah because it, it, it comes on it comes on cold one of the things that i like that they brought straight from the comic um it was the idea that he considered <laughs> his wife slash mark's mama pet um, it's a line that, that rings hard in the comic. Like when it comes, it, it, it drops hard it, and it drops jaws. Um, do you think it had the same effect in the show? I think it hit, especially since they showed Debbie's reaction. Yeah. She's like crying yeah. instantly. Yeah. It's like a, a pet, like a pet. Really? Like Mark a, almost but... gets the power up, but he doesn't just, <laughs> we're not. Oh, I like that trope too. There was various moments where it seemed like, oh my God, maybe Mark is going to, Gohan this you know maybe he's gonna be stronger than his mother I was stronger than his father because he has his mother in him as well you know and no no that's not that's not they were kind of the setting they were beginning to set it up early on too in other yeah, episodes where uh, it's like he has like a rage boost right right uh he had no and that that you're 100 like a berserker rage because he does that in the episode with Titan yep. and stuff uh um so he definitely has that within him but but Nolan is just so far ahead at this point, you know, Nolan has just been doing this for so long. He's so in tune with his powers that, um, you know, when it becomes a debate between the two, uh, that quickly turns into a fight. Nolan just has this, he does this with ease. You know, we have that scene, like we were talking about where they send the fighter pilots and he is so quick to kill them, but also kill one in front of his son. Like squashing an ant. How do you feel about that whole brain squishing? Well, the whole, the whole thing was, again, was them playing with the tropes because they go through the whole freaking uh, scene, which you see in so many different superhero movies where it's like, it looks like he's going to die and then he's not going to die and he saved them and the ejector seat and the parachute knocked me back, but I still was able to save him. And all of this for nothing because... Omni Man just comes and he's like, "What's the bro- what are you doing?" And he just pops his freaking head, <laughs> his whole head, it's, man. It, it, the 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 actual pop was gruesome too, but just the way he did it after all that effort was yeah. awesome. 
And then he didn't even grab his whole head. So there's like parts of skull behind yeah. it. Yeah, like the parts, you know, um, and you know, you you brought it up, but that's one of the running themes is Mark's inability to even save one person sometimes, right? Because you have that scene with him and that old lady, where he saves the old lady from the uh, alien invasion. I want to say, and coming up now, and, and then, yeah, and then and then with the building. Well, that's the whole thing, man. The brilliant setup of of Mark's reaction to him killing that one fighter pilot angers nolan to the point of like oh so you you care about them so much that you would care about just one casualty to this all right and he punches him so hard uh that he causes a bunch of death just in him uh the effects of him reverberating through the ground and then smashing into a building killing a bunch of people there as well him him trying to save the people as the building crumbles and the heartbreak, and they, they they make it even more personal to show you a family in the building, to show you a little girl in the building. Um, and then it all comes down to the point that the only thing that Invincible is holding is a, a bloody arm of somebody. What did you think about that scene and what emotions were coming out uh, and seeing that? Like I said, we've seen Man of Steel. We've argued to great lengths about the the... The disrespect of life in that but i feel like this raises it up a whole nother bar how did it make you feel i thought it was uh it felt haunting it felt when you watched yeah. it the first time it felt like when he punched well, i don't know where the hell they were at on the other side of the world but you punched him straight through to chicago chicago and yeah, chicago. And, and you can sense like because they gave you a few minutes before he actually crashed like you can sense like oh no like it's about to get real bad and then when he crashes it's like 911 like the plane crashing yeah. into the building but uh yeah. it's him and he it, 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 he can't stop himself he kills a lot of people before he can actually spring himself to a stop so just to stop just in his motion of being punched he's <laughs> murdering people it, yeah it, so it, when it, he flies up to try to hold up the building, it doesn't make sense that that building would be held up by what he was doing. So it doesn't yeah. work. Of course, right. it doesn't work. The building just collapses all around him. And of course, again, giving him a few minutes of struggling to save this family. But I kind of, by this point in the series, I was like, oh no, they're dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, when he's holding up the building, I'm in my head, I'm like, that can't work. So I was really like I was gonna be upset if he just like set the building back to being straight. <laughs> like I was like that that's bullshit. So when it started to like really crumble, I was like, oh, they're they're gonna show that yeah, there's nothing he can do here. This is this like like you said, you know, the haunting nature comes from this level of being powerless, even with all these powers. Like you still can't stop it. You still can't stop all these mass casualties and we're sitting here and again he's covered in blood we're seeing people squashed by cars and bits of concrete and we say to ourselves the same thing we said when we saw him take out the guardians of the globe or when he killed all the flaxens or when he killed all those um troops that came to his house it can't get any worse how can it get any worse than this oh god and then he takes him to the train station uh Yogi, you wanna you wanna walk us through this? Do you wanna talk I, talk me through your experience of watching this scene? I uh <laughs> okay, so we already we already talked about how haunting it was just the building stuff. So I was like yeah. literally like I and I'm never it's like the trope, like this can't get any worse. Literally I thought like it can't get any worse. 
But when he went to the train station and he was just like destroying <laughs> all the people on the ground, I was like, okay, this is. I didn't. I didn't expect what was going to come next. He shoves him into the ground, and now they're in the yeah. train station, and they've already killed people because of the debris, and people are in the train station, and now the train is coming. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not. I don't know what the fuck. I don't know what to expect right now. And he lifts him. He's got invincible by the base of his skull. He's just like showing him an oncoming train. I'm thinking the train is going to crash into him and, you know, blow up and the people will die. Yeah. I knew the people were going to die on this train. Fear right. no for, I had no doubts that everyone on the train would die, but I never expected <laughs> that he would just hold him there. While the train, the train would just crash into them and then split around them, and all the people would fucking turn into mush. Each person would just Ridiculous. explode. Thousands of people turn into gore. It was insane. It was absolutely ridiculous. I still call it like one of the craziest. Um, like disregards for human life I have ever seen in animation, live action, whatever you want to call it. Um, watching him become like the cheese grater, right? To these people <laughs> and literally shred them, uh, you know, shred them apart. And and the fact that that Omni Man knows how horrifying this would be for his son, knowing that like this, like he's doing this on purpose. He's trying to show him the feudal nature of caring about any of these ants. Just watch me kill all of these ants. It's it's one of them. Like, how do you think of something like that? And now it makes me think of that Spider-Man scene in Spider-Man 2 where he, where he webs up the things and he holds on. <laughs> like, maybe he should have went right through. <laughs> right through that whole train. Um, and so, like, and, and we, we it, that's been also, if I'm not mistaken, like a kind of a pop culture joke at this point, right? Like, there was a meme about it, about Superman stopping a train with his force to save like one person and the odds that it would kill everybody on the train. You know, we talk, they talk about like planes falling and how, like if you try to catch a plane when it falls, you'll probably go right through it and kill everybody on the plane. So like, this was just uh, a conclusion we were always going to get to. We had to see it and man, did they show it absolutely out of control. And, and you go from this, the casualties being so large and he bats him around. He causes an avalanche, you know, um, and causes some more damage to, to property and people later on. But then it gets very personal as it becomes, uh, you know, just between him and his son. And he really doesn't understand why he would care anything about anybody on this planet. Um, uh, I don't care. I don't give a fuck about Viltrum. Yeah, it definitely had a Krypton had its chance vibe. <laughs> Uh, uh, Vilt- um, I don't give a fuck about Viltrum. <laughs> Sounded very much like Krypton had its chance. I, I love the delivery on that. I don't give a shit about Viltrum. <laughs> uh, I don't care if I live a fucking million years. I was like, this is great. Very, very teenager. That was yeah. the most teenager I felt was coming out of Stephen Young at that point. So that was interesting. Uh, to yeah, he don't give a damn about Viltrum. Um, but. He beats his son to a, a pulp, man, and the sound design, the the animation, just to him, just at one point when he just has him against that wall and he's just laying into him, that that mountain. Um, what were you thinking in this at this point? I know my roommate was like, he's gonna have to kill his father, but obviously Mark didn't know. Did it seem like he was up to the task? No, he was not in that moment. He was not. But what do you What are you thinking happens here? Are you waiting for somebody to come and save him? Are, are you? 
as I a new viewer. knew that no one is going to come to save him because who's going to save him? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. I didn't expect that he would beat him into such a bloody pulp. Uh, even after all the brutality, I didn't yeah. expect that he would do it to Mark like that. And yeah. I think he was actually going to kill him. He was 100%. really going to kill him. There was, there was, a, I genuinely think he was going to kill him. Uh, there was a moment there where I, uh, I just knew like, it's going to have to be, it's going to have to come from Nolan himself. Yeah. <laughs> and it did. Uh, they did the flashback where Nolan kind of remembers like, you know, the little bits of humanity that Debbie was able to teach him when she was holding him down with that gorilla grip. <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, so I knew it was going to have to come from inside of Nolan. I didn't know it'd be... Uh, they had, like, a great scene where, you know, it's it's not a meme now, but I think it's going to be... I don't want to say legendary, but it's going to be stuck in the pop culture lexicon for a while where he's like, you know, in 500 years when everybody's dead, what are you going to have? And it's like, you dad, I'm going to have you. Ah, uh, man, that was strong. That was strong. So Nolan kind of hits that. They gave him like the pain face. Oh, that was really good. That was really good. It's very good. Did you believe that, that pain face? Like, uh, yeah. I, one of the things I had worried about was whether or not somebody could go that far. And then get pulled back. One of the char- one of the things, interesting things that they do it, in the comic is after he leaves, obviously everyone has to make up their mind about him, right? And he's not all the stuff that he did and all the stuff that he said does not paint him as anyone that's sympathetic. Yeah. So as a, I guess as a person with children, I I was absolute I absolutely believe that that's uh, I don't know if, if they call it sympathetic, but I believe that he did feel those feelings and that that is what stopped him from killing that child. The fact that he actually did grow to love it because even in his own sick, twisted way, you call it sick and twisted, but really it's a point of view from where he came from and the way he was raised. It's uh, it's like he was very distanced from these people, but I guess from his own protection, maybe for the, for however long they live, you know, he's gotta, he's gotta love them and lose them and, and not a lot of people are built for that. So yeah. I guess he wanted to try to teach his son the same thing by, by crushing these ants. And to us, because we're the ants, it's like, oh, my God. But uh, to him, he actually didn't consider that, you know, uh, even though they're ants or whatever, you know, me and the kid can have each other. It, it was honestly yeah. a moment that uh, I, I, I could absolutely see a father being like, oh, you know, I messed this up. And he says it. Why'd you make yeah. me do this? It's yeah. because he, he's messed up. He, you know, he that's that moment of guilt. Right. It's right. like he understands now. He's he's and, and now he's gotta get out of here. I can't face what I've done. Right. At that moment, and not not having read the comics, so I'm not like talking as a spoiler. This is talking as someone who's watched the show and is looking at a trajectory. At that moment, I saw that there maybe it's years of watching TV, you know? No, but not only that. I just saw that there was a hope for redemption at that moment. Yeah. 
that he, if he could consider that little piece of uh, yeah, I, I guess call it humanity, but it's just an emotion. He's an alien. He can feel it. Yeah. <laughs> um. And and like you said. The, his feelings he's had he knew his mission he had his plan in his head he seemed the level of shock that he seemed towards mark's refusal to want to be part of the plan almost made it feel like he didn't even consider that to even ever happen like he didn't consider that to be part of the equation that mark would be like uh no i like earth and these people like he the way he put it to mark was like oh uh, well like that's the story like of course you're gonna join me because you're a Voltramite, like, why would you even bother with these people? And no, he makes a choice. And I feel like that's what every superhero story needs to include is the, the hero, the protagonist making a choice um, and choosing to do good and choosing to do, you know, what's best in the series. Uh, well, in both instances, he's hospitalized for quite some time afterwards. Um, and everyone has to kind of deal with the fallout. C- Cecil, uh, ropes him in and makes him part of this whole global, you know, defense uh, company and organization. So that's interesting there. And all the villains are seemingly getting ready for stuff. Um, Alan, the alien, he's, you know, now he knows that there's no Viltrumite on the planet. And what he says is true, you know, not to put spoilers out there, but Viltrum is going to find out that the Viltrumite that was on that planet is not on there is not there anymore and they're going to have to do something about it. And I'm interested in seeing where that goes, but was there anything, were there any plot points that were left dangling that you're more in the most interested in? I definitely want to see where they go with the Titan storyline. Yeah. I uh, mean, of course, boss, Titan. yeah, I mean, of course, obviously there's the main stuff. I want to see Mark, uh, bang Eve. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks like he's in a happy relationship. Uh, uh Yogi. I don't know about that. That looks like something that got put back together because of trauma. But <laughs> it be that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, I want, I want to see some of that as well. I want to see, yeah, what happens out of Omni Man Shadow? Because he, he was always somebody that Mark, uh, Mark could turn to in these situations, but now he's gonna have to try to figure this whole thing out on his own. He's gonna have to make a name for himself despite the fact that everyone just saw him kind of get his ass whooped on television, like that's going to be a big thing, right? Like what happens with that? I did live though. He did live. That's the boy strong. who lived. That's strength. Yes. He showed that strength. He got his ass beat by Omni Man and lived. No, I'm more excited also to see uh, Mark develop now that Omni Man is gone. Yes. Just like out that, of his that shadow. story is that, 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 that part of the story is moved <laughs> On for now, and I guess if, if it comes back, it will come back. It has to come back. You know, uh, 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 now we, like you were saying, we get to see Mark uh, spread his legs. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, I hope, and hopefully not spreading hers, we get to see how Debbie deals with all of this after the fallout. Oh, no. You know, she's because this can't on, be hard. She's hugging on Cecil. <laughs> she was hanging out with, no, she was hanging out with Art. she was hanging out with Art. That's right. She's yeah. hanging out with Art. Pour right, it from yeah. me. Let's drink from Art. this. Uh, bottle or the same cup together. Really they drink from this well of depression Let's... that was caused by Nolan <laughs> acting all crazy. Oh God! So that that's interesting there too. Um, yeah, well, I guess we got to find out what uh, what happens with Amber and all these characters. I'm I'm assuming this is gonna come out once a year, the same way like the boys. Did you have any issue with the way that it came out? The fact that they were hour long episodes. The fact that the first three came out early. What do you think about that whole? 
release schedule there. No, I never have a problem with uh, more content. Generally, cartoons like this are meant are uh, twenty two minutes long, and I thought yeah. there was an interesting thing actually in the final episode that the fight between Nolan and his dad, like the whole thing, is just like about twenty two minutes long. It was like the length of a children's cartoon. Yeah, the grisliest yeah. thing you've ever seen in animation was about the length of a children's cartoon. Uh, no, then, but uh, if if you were to split it normally, like a cartoon, it'd be like sixteen episodes, and it looks expensive because of the voices, and uh, <laughs> so I can see why only eight forty-four minute episodes is what we're gonna get once a year. You can kind of can't imagine how many millions of dollars that must freaking cost already. Very much like Dragon Ball Z, though, like that, like after the fight for like the episode that comes after. You know where everyone's just kind of chilling and recouping yeah, and and trying to figure things out now. Yeah, that that totally felt like that for me. Um, what did you think of the title card? The idea that they would <laughs> not say his name and then it would come up, and increasingly as the series continues, it gets more and more bloody. I thought it was a cute gimmick. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. don't know if it was. Uh, I I don't know if it was necessary, but it was cute. I think that's one of the Im- uh, um, invincible gimmicks, like you said. I think like a lot of the merch, a lot of the, the hot toys, if you will, like people want to see the thing covered in blood. They think that that's what distinguishes it from other, you know, properties and stuff. So I think that it was kind of cool that they showed that with the titles. Like not even the title gets away with being squeaky clean, because this this whole series is gonna get dirtier and dirtier and dirtier. Um, yeah. Well, who do you think has the best design? Who's the, um of these characters, these superheroes? Oh, that's a good question. I hadn't considered that. Uh, hmm. I think Mark is funny because he's literally just the image I. Yeah, uh, like the letter I. Uh, <laughs> he did. He did accomplish his thing though. That that icon. I mean, that um costume is now iconic. Uh, what's her name? War Woman looks pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, it didn't. I thought it was just gonna be like Wonder Woman. It looked a little different. Yeah, she. I actually reminded me more of Big Barda. Yeah. Yep. To yep, be honest, yep, 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 I, yep. I was getting some. I was getting some new gods vibes uh, from her. I like Rex explodes and his little goggles and his <laughs> <laughs> his like aviator weird a- aviator hat thing. Um. Oh, we got it. Okay, so this is how we're gonna end this conversation. This. Uh. This is we got to talk about. Um. We got to talk about the plight of Monster Girl. We got to talk about. <laughs> Monster Girl is a character who gets, as she, um, she has this ability to almost turn into this hulking figure, this monster. But every time that she does, she turns younger, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I guess all those other things. She's of, I think she's like late twenties now, thirty years old. But she's like trapped in a twelve-year-old's body, and she explains the torture of her life uh, using this example of like, do you? Um, I, I, in her position, do you date other twelve-year-olds <laughs> with your mind being older, or do you date a consenting thirty-year-old who's now walking around with a twelve-year-old? Well, I guess if you have to make a choice, right, you, you, you <laughs> go with the thirty-year-old because it's just right. But you do have to consider what's wrong with that person. That they were attracted That's what to I'm you saying. in the first place, but then, but then, like, if you're like a, if you're a little person in real life, is this a dilemma that you go through? 
And well, I don't think I don't think little people have to deal with it, right? Because they, they can like always just get with other little. Not people. even only that they might be attracted to kids or whatever. Well, but they're not always attracted to little people. Just because <laughs> just because you're a little person doesn't mean you want to be with another little person. You know, like uh, you don't have to you don't have to right. stay within your own. Uh, I don't see right, it. right, right. I feel you. I feel you. But like, yeah, in that situation, I don't think you. I don't think you can win either way. Yeah. So I. But 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 the question does. It exists. It's there. What did, what did you see in the yeah. child? <laughs> no, 100%. That's what I'm saying. Like, Even if she takes her consenting 30-year-old on a date to the movies, you now see a 30-year-old and a 12-year-old making out in the, in the okay. front row. <laughs> so I'll give this to Robot, at least. He fell in love with the personality, I think. Yeah. Of a, of a 30-year-old, because she's like a 30-year-old in there. I think he fell in love with the personality. I feel like there wasn't enough evidence that he wasn't just attracted to the little girl. They may <laughs> they well, okay. He 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 is shown to be of someone who looks past appearances in general, right? Because of his situation. So I guess you can give him the benefit of the doubt in that. <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Uh, he made himself a kid too, so like he could have made himself a creepy grown man. Yeah, yeah. So now he's just a creepy <laughs> adult in a, in a little boy's in a little boy's body. Oh, I, I remember thinking that he tells her at one point, like, I, "I can't wait to help you with your illness." What if he ends up reverting her back to thirty? Then what does he do? Uh, <laughs> he's in the same situation now. He's twelve. He's in a twelve-year-old body. This is oh, all just God. ridiculous, and it's all Rex's body too. So Rex got, has to see himself grow up he's outside like, of his what body. The hell? <laughs> it's hilarious it's hilarious but um yeah that that's we've covered about everything that there was to cover for invincible like i said i thought the anime was cool uh, they did that that quick thing to mars so you see that that's coming back those sequids um uh starro-esque uh <laughs> you know uh tentacled monsters are gonna start showing up from mars so this whole thing is about to be blown sky high we're going to space we're gonna be there's gonna be some wars. We're gonna find out what happened with the rest of the Viltrumites. We're gonna find out about the coalition of planets. And I can't wait, especially with seasons two and three um in the books. Hopefully we come back around to cover some of the comics. Uh, you know, because odds are they're gonna blow past the series. If this is how it's gonna go, it's gonna take them ten years from this year to reach up to the comics of this year <laughs> so uh we'll see i guess uh how that goes out there in general there but it really goes to show that these image properties creator owned you really do get to keep your hands on the steering wheel and uh, make the best choices for your own product as opposed to you know some some of these marvel and dc shows being in development hell because they can't find people to attach <laughs> and stuff so i thought that was cool too um, but, 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 but anything you looking for for Invincible season two? Honestly, I'm just looking forward to seeing these stories continue. I'm, I, I by the time season two comes, I guess I would have finished the story, so I'll yeah. know. I'll know what more I'll be looking forward to then. <laughs> right, right. And the only way for you guys to make sure that you are with us when we're back to talk season two is to make sure that you guys are listening to every single episode of the Major Issues podcast like you listen to this one. So thank you so much for listening to the Major Issues podcast. We do it every single week free of charge and it comes out every Wednesday. We have over 175 episodes in the can and they're all available at comicbookclick.com. 
comicbookclick.com is the one stop for all things comic book click our articles our merchandise a little bit of bios about us and how we ended up joining comic book click our likes and our don't our dislikes and our merchandise again is all exclusively made by me cool new designs uh go out there and support us get some cool shirts uh via comicbookclick.com just hit that shop cbc link but fortunately, if you already have a podcast app, we're available wherever podcasts are found. That's Podbean, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, the Apple Podcast app, TuneFind, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We're all over. All you got to do is type in Major Issues Podcast into Google, and we'll be the first ones to pop right up. And we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. And like I said, we do that free of charge. But if you want to help us keep the lights on, go to patreon.com slash CBC Clubhouse. For as little as $0.10 a day, $3 a month, you can help support independent content creators like us or just support us (laughs) by giving us $3 a month. Uh, Help us keep the lights on and help us, you know, um, replenish our batteries here and create more content for you guys. So we'll keep doing that. But we want to hear from you. What are some of the things you want to see us cover? What did you think about Invincible? What are you excited about in the future? You can hit us up by going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or use the hashtag comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issue CBC on Twitter, uh, where we're constantly dropping those dank memes and our release schedule for the podcast. So make sure that you stay on top of all of that there. But we're continuing to kill it, and we're going to continue to bring you uh, the best that we can, because I've been to the future where we do become the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media. But I can't tell you how we do it because it will mess up the timeline. You feel me? So get on board, get on the bandwagon before all the seats end up being filled. Uh, and we got we will see you in the future. But uh, my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. This is John Scudero, a.k.a. Yogi. And this has been our Invincible Season 1 recap and review. And remember, whether or not you were born with superpowers, whether you feel that you can do better and make a better future for everyone on this planet, whether you are a Viltrumite supremacist and you think that we all are just a bunch of pets, regardless of who you are, if your man is a superhero and he goes to Mars for you <laughs> and brings you a rock from Mars as a present and you knew he was a superhero, please don't get on his nerves. Please support each other, ladies and gentlemen. And always remember that you, yes, you are worthy. <laughs> <laughs>